This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR. R-A-Z-O-R. Hello, hockey fans. I'm Paul Bruno here with Andrew Fiorentino, and we are the Great Ones. Today is March 3rd of 2016. We are post-deadline, Andrew. And on today's show, we'll begin by taking a look at the deadline deals, which told us Several top contenders really think they have a legitimate shot at the cup. That's more and of a, a deadline, if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> I, it's a I, horrible day of, of nothing happening, practically. I think we have to uh, include uh, the context that some, deal, some deals were done well in advance, but like you said, there were not, a, not an abundance of big names moved. But I think still some of the, the teams that are the big, big contenders tried to find ways to bolster themselves, and I think... We can give a thumbs up to uh, to some of them, and and so with that, let's take a look first, though, at what happened in Tampa or what didn't happen in Tampa. To your point about the dud of a deadline, the Lightning didn't make any moves. In fact, they haven't made any roster moves since November of this year. What do you think about that plan? I mean, there's something to be said for uh, continuity, right? Uh, <laughs> at least they've got that going on. I think the the Lightning are in a weird place with the cap and with uh, you know the the Stamkos situation where uh, standing pat was probably uh, about the only thing they could do, aside from trading Jonathan Duran. And clearly, especially after Steve Eiserman came out and said to the media that you know, the, that he was going to be moving sooner or later, uh, I think that maybe maybe speaking up may have lowered the the price that other teams were trying to pay for Duran as a result. He said, well, I didn't get the deal I want. I'm going to sit on him. And now uh, he's stuck in that no-man's land. And further to that, we've talked about the fact that of this roster of 23 players, 15 of them are coming up for con- new contracts in the next two years, between this, the end of this season and the end of next year. So 
Heisman probably just said, the heck with this nonsense about rumors here and there. I'm just going to take my shot with this roster and deal with the fallout afterwards. And there's going to be a hell of a lot of fallout there if they don't get the big prize. And maybe even if they do. I mean, what does Stamkos say if he gets his cup ring, Andrew? And he says, well, that was one of my goals. Now I've achieved it. I don't have to stay. I can go Now back. I can go home. That's right. So <laughs> that's I, your I, dream. As a Toronto fan, that's my dream kind of thing. But then I'm wondering if he gets the taste of the cup in that same scenario. Then he says, hey, I got a good thing going here. Why do I want to mess it up? So it could go either way with Stan Coast just as it could with the rest of the roster. But if he does fly the coop, they'll have some cap space and they'll be able to use some money on some of the other players. So they've got some tough decisions in Tampa. And I think Eiserman's just deferring all of them to say, let me enjoy the playoffs with the roster that I built and see how far they can go. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting offseason, that's for sure. You, no question. And uh, sticking with the Atlantic Division for a moment, uh, we got to look at uh, what a couple of other teams did. Certainly the Boston Bruins did what you typically expect to see at the trade deadline, Andrew, where they picked up a veteran defenseman and a veteran forward, and they're going to move forward with a stronger-looking lineup. And they did not make a move with Louis Erickson. I found that a whole strange discussion that they were even talking about him in, in these uh, in these pre-deadline situations because if they were going to fortify themselves on one hand and then lose him on the other, I don't know what breaking even does for them unless trading him to get other pieces. W- yeah, w- I think uh, any kind of Erickson trade would have been a, a hockey trade where they, they deal him for another guy, but, and you know probably on a similarly expiring contract or maybe a guy whose contract is a little too big for his team to handle for all that. They're better off, better served sticking with Erickson. He's shown, you know, good chemistry there uh, for the Bruins uh, in their top six, and uh, has been a, a key piece for them. And and I, let, I don't, I don't know about Stepniak though. Uh, a third liner on a good team, in my opinion. Uh, although, you know, a first liner in New Jersey certainly, as we saw, but that's that, that's more of a statement about the Devils than anything else. Oddly enough, though, they're, they're plugging him into the first line in Boston with Bergeron and Marchand. It seems like that's the plan, and, and he's going to get a look on their power play as well just because of what they saw that he did in New Jersey. He made his bones, though, on the Devils' power play and in the top six circumstance. So they're hoping that they've caught lightning in a bottle here and bring him in in that same role. The addition of Lyles on defense, much the same. Wow, not... that's even more questionable to me. Yeah, that's that's one that was way below the uh, the sea level to me. I don't understand <laughs> where that's coming from and what purpose he's going to serve because they're expecting him to improve the depth on the team. Sure, he's experienced, but boy, he's got a lot of miles on him and miles on Lyles. And uh, and I don't know how much he's got left in the tank and, and he's going to have to prove himself to be better than what he's shown to make this a sensible addition. I don't, I don't see the point of it. Just a waste of power play minutes in my view. Possibly. So uh, the Bruins... Uh, but they're tra- taking a shot, seeing that this landscape, this side of Washington, is wide open in the Eastern Conference, and so that's what motivated them. But I think uh, another, the third team in the Eastern Conference that made some moves is the Florida Panthers, and I really like what this team tried to do, Andrew. Yeah, uh, they made some, some key additions, uh, a little bit of depth on D with Jake, Jakob Kindle. I don't know how much they're going to get out of him. His career is really cratered. But uh, Yuri Hudler and Teddy Purcell are nice uh, wings that they can work in. Uh, Purcell, obviously, uh, a retread there in Tampa. Had some good success alongside Stamkos before. Or not in Tampa. In a, oh, my. Confusing the Florida teams. <laughs> well, uh, they're both, they're both uh, good now. Back in Florida is Teddy <laughs> Purcell, rather. Not, not playing with Steven Stamkos, who has not been traded to the Florida Panthers. Exactly. <laughs> Don't start any unfounded rumors That's here. That's right. No, uh, no post-deadline surprise trades there. 
Well, let's go uh, to a team that's near and dear to your heart, Andrew. That's the New York Rangers. They come out of the trade deadline with one of the big fish, Eric Stahl. But I know you're not too excited about this addition. Yeah, you know, and this is something I've, I've been talking about. Uh, I appeared on uh, another podcast, the uh, In This League Fantasy Hockey Podcast, yesterday as a guest. Uh, we talked about uh, Eric Stahl, and I talked about how, you know, I used to play NHL video games back in the day, uh, NHL 2K5, <laughs> 2K6, this sort of thing. Uh, I used to go and I would, you know, after the 2006 season, you know, you go and trade for Eric Stahl, uh, Martin San Louis, Rick Nash, and then... <laughs> I find that my Rangers, eight to ten years later, acquire all of these guys, and it's a little bit, uh, they're a little bit behind the eight ball in that respect, I think. Well, you're back to the future, just like the movie then. You That's called, right. You called the shot ten years ago. I, I, I wish you could draw, draw up some lottery numbers for me, even five years from now. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but all in all, do you think he's going to give this team any kind of a boost in terms of leadership, uh, direction? Uh, are they going to get juiced by this addition, uh, just by having him around? I mean, it's nice that Mark now has someone to eat lunch with. That's great. Uh, <laughs> over, but uh, no, I think that uh, you know the Rangers get a lot of key depth, and especially once they get Rick Nash back, you're going to see a, a more solid top six where they don't have to include a guy like uh, Victor Stahlberg. Uh, that's that's a little bit better there, and and it, you know they've had a lot of trouble in in history with uh, faceoffs. So having a, a little bit of a deeper center crew, if they want to roll Stall out at center, uh, which would make him the third liner, uh, that that's going to be a key for them in the playoffs, I think. And you have some news about uh, the return of Rick Nash. I know it's not imminent, but at least there's some sort of a timeline that's been assigned to him now. That's right. Uh, yesterday, uh, Lane Vigneault announced uh, 10 days to two weeks, so finally a timeline for the return of Rick Nash. Uh, but let's let's do pivot away from the Rangers, uh, which sure. you won't see me do too often, okay. uh, <laughs> and head west because this trade deadline had uh, pretty much one. Uh, if we're going to talk about deadline day itself, one really meaningful deal, which was uh, Michael Bodker being traded from Arizona to Colorado, and this is really interesting because Bodker enters uh, a fantastic situation on the first line there in Colorado with Nathan McKinnon and Gabriel Landeskog. That's a, a killer line that should produce a ton down the stretch. Bodker widely available in fantasy. Uh, that should be changing rapidly. No question. And you gotta you got to give uh, the Avs credit because they're not among the top uh, contenders in the Western Conference, but they're certainly taking a shot. And uh, this cer- cer- certainly should boost their chances. And right now they're on the outside looking in as we do this podcast, tied for the last wildcard spot. So uh, this is a case of... Uh, putting all their chips in and seeing how far they can go, I guess, by the addition of Bodker. And uh, I'm, I'm wondering if there's any idea toward retaining this guy beyond this year, Andrew. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the, the contract situation works out to be. Uh, you know, if he, if he has a, a you know, big down-the-stretch performance there in Colorado, uh, he could end up being in for a, a huge payday uh, next year, as or this rather this coming offseason, as an unrestricted free agent. So... Uh, We'll see if they can work out an extension with him before the year ends. If not, I think he's obliged to test the free agent waters. Well, let's stay in the Western Conference, Andrew, and take a look at one of some of the heavyweights and what they did. In Los Angeles, they're, they're gearing up for a couple of tough rounds right off the hop, and that's why I think they, they tried to fortify themselves ahead of the curve. And they, they made a couple of interesting additions, I thought, uh, too. Uh, bringing back Rob Scuderi to be a shutdown defender, 
this is a war of attrition in the playoffs, so you've got to have some depth along the blue line, and they know what they're getting in him. And then they also picked up Chris Versteeg. I guess uh, you can say this is a shot across the bow against the Hawks, who had this guy in tow when they won Cups previously. So bringing in this experience forward is a bit of a message to the rival Blackhawks that, hey, we're going to take one of your guys and plug him into li- our lineup. And this ad- these two moves add to what they did previously with the additions of Vinny LeCavalier and Luke Shen. Again, typical of the top-end teams that try to strengthen themselves well in advance of the playoffs. And you can tell the Kings are serious about wanting their third cup in the post-salary cap era. Yeah, I just don't understand, though, why we acquire Chris Versteeg and then use him to push Tyler Toffoli down to the third line. That seems crazy yeah. to me. Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Toffoli is a guy who's been a fantasy stud uh, at uh, various stretches of the season, a top six forward, and he may lose that, that role or at least a large chunk. Temporarily, I think. Yeah, I temporarily. Think. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this is a short-term thing. Uh, I think Versteeg is going to be more of a depth guy that they'll be able to move around the roster, versatile as he is. But I really agree with you that, that this is not a top six addition. Maybe it's top six insurance, and, and they're going to get him a, an early look to see just where he fits in there. But uh, the other teams in in uh, that California triangle, it mirrors what the NBA is. It's kind of a death valley when you deal with those three teams. <laughs> and uh, the Ducks and the Sharks certainly did their share of moves as well. Yeah, the Ducks uh, brought in a couple of left-wingers. They've been looking for answers there, and they brought in uh, Brandon Perry, uh, who's currently injured, and Jamie McGinn from Buffalo. Uh, McGinn, I think, uh, a really interesting fit there in the top six. Uh, scored a goal in his Anaheim debut uh, just last night, and I think is, is going to see a value boost in, in what's already been one of the best seasons of his career. Yeah, and and then Sandy, San Jose, I mean, I have to cheer for this team because now they have three Maple Leafs on the roster. James Reimer in goal, providing valuable insurance behind Martin Jones, who's been a, a revelation to me. I didn't expect this season that they got from him in his first uh, run as a, a first-string goalie, but Reimer's there as quality backup. Uh, Alex Daylock, who came the other way, has been uh, put directly into the minors while the Leafs take a look at a lot of prospects. And, uh, gee, if you've got a hockey stick and equipment, They'll try you out, it seems, in the next few weeks. In Toronto. I think Gareth Sparks is going to see a lot of goal, uh, run in that Toronto net over the next, yeah. uh, over the rest of the season. I, I think he makes it for a nice fantasy pickup. Even if you're not going to get wins out of him, uh, you could still get solid ratios like you were getting out of Bernier, or Reim, Reimer. Yeah, Definitely not out of Bernier. No, not out of Bernier. He's a guy who is not playing anywhere near to his $4 million price tag, and you wonder what he's going to give them next year in the last year of that deal. Uh, I think maybe you'll see them uh, look for replacements in the offseason to help Sparks. I think you're right. He's the guy that they're going to pin some hopes on for the uh, short term and maybe even into next season. Uh, to finish up with the Sharks, they did add Roman Pollock, a tough defensive-minded blue liner. He's not going to be a big stud in the fantasy, more of a shutdown player. But Spalling has been an interesting revelation. He was not able to score. He's a 15-goal scorer, typically, uh, according to his profile. He was one goal in 60 games with Toronto. He's already found the score sheet with uh, San Jose, and you just wonder if he might see a bit of a spike. Not to say he's a top-six guy, but he might be good insurance in that regard there. But, Andrew, the big fish in the water is the Chicago Blackhawks. They made no fewer than five moves at the deadline. This team's serious. They brought in Andrew Ladd and others. Why don't you break down what you see from what you've seen from the Blackhawks in the last few days? Yeah, I think no deadline conversation is complete without discussing uh, the the pre-deadline acquisition of Andrew Ladd. And he's uh, off to a good start there in Chicago with a couple points in his first two games. You notice the, the minutes are way down. You know, he's a guy who was playing, uh, you know, close to 20 minutes a game in Winnipeg uh, so far in two games with Chicago averaging a 14 and a half 
about 14.10 in his debut, and then 15 minutes uh, last night. So interesting to see Lad's ice time dropping, even though he's ostensibly a, a, first, a first liner there in Chicago. Yeah, that's someone I, I found that hard to reconcile as well. But, uh, you know, first line minutes with guys like Taves, that, that's going to pad your stats anyway. And he's getting a good look on the power play where he got a goal already. So uh, And they're about to get Marion Hosa back too. Yeah, so the, that team is getting stronger at the right time. And they added a couple of guys from the Montreal Canadiens, Thomas Fleischman and Dale Weiss, who, who had uh, middling seasons. Weiss was a guy who... Uh, caught fire early on. We've talked about him over and over, and he's kind of been a, uh, just floating around third and fourth line minutes, and that's what he's going to do in Chicago as well. So they've really given themselves some depth, but the big fish uh, of the whole trade deadline, as I see it, apart from Bodker, is Andrew Ladd, and he's coming home to Chicago. He's familiar with the setting. He's won a cup there, and I think if you had to grade all the teams that, that uh, tried to fortify themselves, I'd give Chicago the highest marks uh, in advance of these playoffs. I think that's a fair comment. They they certainly added a lot of depth there. And if we can do a, just do a little drive-by of the Chris Russell trade, uh, I think an awful trade for Dallas. Uh, that's all I have to say about that. Let's I, I will second <laughs> that. Let's, let's move on, though. Uh, I know we both are, are FanDuel guys. Uh, so we're looking at some uh, potential lineup situations for tonight. Uh, Paul and I have put together our fan, ideal FanDuel lineups for tonight, or at least the ideal FanDuel lineups uh, when we were in the state of mind that we were in about an hour ago. And uh, so let's let's talk about it, uh, because we have a really interesting slate tonight. I think there's some matchups that we can take advantage of over in uh, in Arizona. You've got the Ducks visiting. Uh, they've been you know hot, scoring a lot of goals. They draw an Arizona team rolling out a, a rookie in his first start in Nicholas Troidel. Uh, I think that's a, a really good situation uh, we'll, we'll be talking about how I've got a few ducks in my row. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I, I like Buffalo, too, uh, coming off a disappointing performance against uh, Edmonton in the McDavid-Eichel matchup. Uh, this time they get Calgary rolling out uh, Jonas Hiller, a uh, guy who's just really struggled this year. Uh, so that's that's another place where I'm looking for value. I don't know if you have any, uh, any to add. Well, I... I, I want to talk about how we build our lineups. Where do you start? I, I'll start with what I do, and I, I was asked this on another show, so I'll bring that to the table today and say when I look at the, the lineup building, it seems to me that I always start with the goalie, and I look for the softest matchup on the board for a goalie who's not near the top of the list but should be in line for an easy win. And I don't have to look very far from where I'm sitting for this one tonight. When I start my roster building with Devin Dubnik, Against the Maple Leafs, he comes in at 7800 bucks, well down the list for your projected starters for tonight. And that gives me roster flexibility across the board the rest of the way instead of spending three, two or $3,000 more to start building my lineup. So why don't you give me your goalie pick and we'll go, go through this. Yeah, I, I went only slightly up the list, two spots up the list from you to uh, John Gibson, uh, taking advantage again of that matchup in Arizona, 8000 for John Gibson, I think a, a very reasonable price. Uh, he's played very well, uh, especially recently, and is really starting to take over that job in, uh, in Anaheim. And so let's move to the defense then. Uh, I looked at the Anaheim-Arizona uh, matchup from a different perspective. Anytime I can get a chance to fit in Oliver Ekman-Larsen into a lineup, I do it, Andrew, because this is one guy that shows up on the score sheet more often than not. He produces a lot of offense, plays half the games for 
for Arizona, gets all the specialty minutes, and he comes in still at a pretty attractive 6100 bucks for me. So I started there with that pick, knowing that Anaheim will get some penalty, get into some penalty trouble. They all, they're a, a rough-and-tumble team, and uh, they know the way to the box, and this guy hopes to make them pay, and, and it's a home date. So, again, he, he produces better on home ice than he does on the road. That's another thing that I look at. And uh, complimenting him, is uh, one of the road warriors that Calgary will ride uh, into uh, Buffalo tonight, and that's Mark Giordano coming in at a low price tonight, I think, at 5800 bucks. Similar profile to Al ekman Larson. He guides the power play. He'll play up to half the game, and he gets a softer opponent than, uh, than most nights. So I think that's a pretty solid blue line, and I get them for a combined $11,900. Yeah, I looked at uh, Calgary guys uh, because I did like the prices, not just on a... Uh... Giordano, but also on uh, T.J. Brody, uh, only 4,800 uh, dirt cheap. But uh, I don't. I like Robin Leonard there in goal for uh, for Buffalo. I think it's it's tough to get too many by him. Uh, so I found that I didn't really want to uh, bet on any flames in this game. Uh, so I went on defense uh, a little cheaper than you. I picked up uh, Shane Gostas Bear, who's been a fixture of every single one of my uh, daily lineups. Uh, for a couple of weeks now, and uh, and Aaron Ekblad, uh, fifty one hundred and forty seven hundred respectively. I think uh, dirt cheap prices. Uh, Colorado, not a great defensive team. Uh, you could see some back and forth in that game. I think tonight uh, with uh, Calvin Pickard in net. Uh, Colorado has been kind of struggling uh, on the defensive side of the game. So uh, yeah, that's that's where I was going on that way. Okay, what a. What about in the middle of the ice? Go, give me your picks first, then I'll come back at you. Well, uh, going back to taking advantage of Jonas Hiller, I, uh, I'm going with uh, Jack Eichel, 5400 uh dirt cheap. Uh, you know, I think uh, it's hard not to put him in there at that price, and uh, really created a lot of space for me to be able to put some other guys that we'll touch on soon. Uh, and the other guy I went with, uh, even though I don't love the matchup, is uh, David Krejci. The, the Bruins have not been good at home, uh, and they are home tonight. But they are facing a, you know, a Chicago team that, while you know, they, they score goals, but they, they can give up some goals too. And uh, Krejci, I think, uh, just at the price point, is a uh, fantastic value. Well, and I'll agree with you on Eichel. I think this is the first time we've done our lineups where we had the same player in any position, this is kind of interesting. I agree with the Eichel pick because I think he's been uh, around the fringes in terms of the score sheet production, not not up to what he was doing earlier in the year, but I think he gets a nice matchup tonight, like you said, against a Calgary team that is willing to trade chances. Buffalo is the home team, so he'll avoid their best checkers if they have any out there to put against him, as well as the top defensive shutdown tandem. So uh, the table is set for Eichel to have a big night. I agree with you, and that's a pretty nice price. Uh, the other guy that I put in to compliment him is a bit of a bigger ticket, not too much though, and that's 6,400 bucks. I picked up Tyler Johnson, who gets into Ottawa with the Tampa Lightning, who are one of the hottest teams in the whole NHL. And the Ottawa uh, team is a team that I like to pick on when I see them on the game board because they give, give up the most shots per game of any team in the league. And uh, uh, tonight should be no exception where Tampa, Tampa, whose offense is rolling. And Tyler Johnson is leading the way. He's been one of their most productive forwards, starting to look like the guy who was the fantasy darling of, of last season. So he's uh, a low value, I think, for, for this particular matchup, and I'm pretty confident 
Yeah. Choice. At that same price, I, I really like, uh, just right around him on the price list, uh, Jeff Carter at, the, at that same 6,400 against Montreal, I think is a nice play at home. Yeah. And uh, Ryan Johansson at home against uh, Keith Kincaid, the backup starting for New Jersey at 6,300, uh, also great value. Yeah, I think you raise a key point. There's a couple of backups on the board that are kind of not very frequently used, and, and you want to pounce on those opportunities, particularly if the team opposing them is uh, an offensively-minded club, and uh, that's the case a couple of times at least tonight on the board. So things to consider, and again, building my team from the goalie out, it's one of the considerations that uh, that I would make. I could easily go with the two that you mentioned earlier. Um, on the right flank, who have you got? So... Uh we're just getting to the beginning of my duck stack here, okay. uh, which is all in the left and right wings and in goal. Uh, we've got I've got, I'm rolling out Corey Perry I think at 7,300, a uh, massive value, uh, you know, really full value that you're getting for him uh, as a guy who still, his price still hasn't recovered from his early season struggles. In a normal season, Corey Perry is probably 8,500 at least right now. Uh, but because of those struggles, there's that perception, uh, and then it's brought his price down. I think that's great. Happy to take advantage. And for the other one, I my most expensive player of the day is uh, one Patrick Kane. Again, the Bruins, bad at home. Tuka Rask, bad at home. Uh, Patrick Kane obviously needs no, uh, need, doesn't need me to, to give him any kind of sale job. Uh, everyone knows what he brings to the table. Exactly. Well, I went a little different from your picks, but still, I, I see good value in the picks that I made in these cases, too. I think Yarmir Yager, I'm uh, riding the mullet tonight <laughs> into Colorado. I, I think this guy is a, a real anomaly in the NHL and somebody that we have to really enjoy every time out. And he puts on a show more often than not and finds a score sheet more often than not. He still retains first-line minutes on the regular shift as well as the power play. And uh, he's got some strong line mates going against the Colorado team again that will trade chances offensively. They don't have a bit of a, a defensive shutdown presence, I don't think, on this roster. So I really like the fact that uh, Florida has been playing a much more disciplined game, and uh, Yager's been right at the forefront of it. So I, th I expect big things from him tonight. And then I look uh, to a game on the left coast where I put a couple of uh, LA wingers into my lineup tonight. One, Tyler Toffoli. We talked about him earlier. And I think at 5700 bucks, he's a tremendous value, plays a tough physical game, uh, one of the better power, emerging power forwards in the NHL. Montreal simply can't contend with players like that. And so I find him to be a good value tonight against them. Yeah, that's a great price for Toffoli. Uh, I'm just concerned about that, that third line spot for him. Yeah, tonight. yeah, that's, that's a bit of a mitigating circumstance and maybe explains in part why uh, the price was not higher because Toffoli is a guy who deserves top six minutes. And, and I agree with our assessment earlier that uh, it's been unfairly taken away from him to accommodate a new addition. And I don't think that's a long-term one. Maybe it even changes during the course of tonight's game. I still see Toffoli getting power play minutes and sticking around in front of the net and bagging a goal maybe tonight. Yeah, that's, I, I agree with you. I think uh, he's certainly in a good situation. Let's go over to the left wing where I can roll out a couple more ducks, and that would be uh, David Perrone and your, the new minted Jamie McGinn. Uh, to, I mean, especially in McGinn's case, 4,300 for a guy playing in the top six, uh, you know, getting those minutes... Uh, alongside Perry and Rickard Raquel, uh, clearly I'm I'm betting big on this uh, situation against Troidel, hoping that he doesn't uh, come out of nowhere and spin a shutout against the Ducks in his first uh, NHL start. Well, I to, just parenthetically, I'll mention I grabbed Troidel in uh, in uh, my 
play with the title so I can play around a little bit. And uh, I thought I'd take a flyer on him just to see if he'd get any playing time because their goalie situation is decimated there, and they've been riding Domingue like a, like a donkey. And so sooner or later, Troy, they want to take a look at Troidel, and I think they've got nothing to lose. So if you're looking for some starts out of nowhere, he might be a good pick in your fantasy league down the line once he gets game one under his belt. And uh, we'll see if they play well in front of him tonight. But Domingue is nothing special, so yeah. No, and so tonight on the left wing, I've uh, I've taken a Blackhawk and I've taken a King, one of the Kings player. I think the, these guys are going to go a long way in the playoffs, and I like them in these matchups tonight. Milan Lucic uh, against Montreal, he sees red not just because of the jersey that he'll be facing. He hates this team, and <laughs> fifty-five hundred bucks, I think he's going to be out there to just put a. Uh, Another insult or two their way. Uh, with He wouldn't mind running up a score against them tonight, I'm sure, and being a big part of it. And 5500 bucks with his motivation, I think that's a real good matchup and a good good price for me. Then I'm picking Patrick Kane's uh, lookalike there, out there, Artemi Panarin on the left side. Man, if you're, if you're missing the Chicago highlights uh, game in, game out, Andrew, uh, our listeners should be tuning in because the stuff that these guys have done this year has been simply amazing. I mean, there was a saucer pass the other night from Kane to Panarin, and he one-timed it into the roof of the net from about 50 feet out. You just don't see that kind of skill, and the way these guys have really uh, married on the ice has been a joy to watch. Panarin, I think, uh, again, has a good matchup against Boston, the team. You've mentioned their home ice struggles, and the Hawks are certainly playing like the defending Stanley Cup champs that they are, and Panarin's been right at the forefront of that. Certainly, uh, yeah, you can't take anything away from uh, what Panarin's been doing. Uh, a little bit inconsistent. I, I kind of fear him in DFS as a bit of a boomer bust option, but uh, certainly a, a valid play in your FanDuel lineups tonight. And uh, those of you uh, who've been listening uh, know already that you can go to FanDuel.com, hit the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, use the code RWPOD and sign up now. Play one-day fantasy sports for real money. Building a team is easy. Just pick your players, stay under the cap, sit back, watch them win. Entry fees start at just $1, and anyone can play. Uh, so if you think you know fantasy, why don't you go ahead and prove it at FanDuel.com. Excellent. And uh, other big news yesterday, Andrew, several of the uh, World Cup roster players have been named. Now they were compelled uh, by rule to name 16 players to each of the teams. And we won't go through those rosters, but... I think we have to touch on some of the notable omissions, and we put together a short list and want to hit on a couple of names. That's that, a, looking like a long list, actually. Well, I, I, I took a few minutes, and I thought <laughs> off the top, almost off the top of my head, there were 15 or 16 guys that I thought we could discuss, so feel free to pick away at any of the ones that, that I've named, and we'll, we'll go at it. Yeah, well, uh, let's start at the beginning with uh, P.K. Subban, and I, I don't know if this is uh, a shocking omission, because... While Subban, of course, is you know one of your premier players in the league, uh, he's also you know getting a, a bit of a reputation, maybe as a, a player who's clashed with his coach, or his coach has not been happy with his, his uh, individualism, let's say the rugged individualism of PK Subban, and uh, so maybe not that surprising to see him get left off. Well, and I echo that sentiment. I mean, we can look back at Canada's recent successes on the international stage. They've been predicated on the fact that they put together a blue line that is a shutdown defense blue line. I mean, what they did in their their last international tournament, they almost played keep away with the puck and and uh, really never never threatened Carey Price. You could have seen him in a rocking chair uh, while that defense took care of business. And uh, they don't want to up. 
put Subban as an, in as a depth guy, uh, and that's quite uh, an in- indicative of the depth that the Canadian roster should expect to have on the blue line. But I want to go to uh, across the border into the states and and uh, an omission or two off the list with a Toronto flavor, Phil Kessel. And James Van Riemsdyk, neither one of them was named. Kessel has had an ordinary year in Pittsburgh. We were expecting, I was expecting much more from him. But he's, uh, you know, he settled in on the second line with Malkin and just kind of uh, being there, not being an impact player. And this is a guy who needs to be, uh, I think, a focal point on on the U.S. roster. I do believe it. And he has to play better because to compete uh, on the big stage. And I think the pairing of him and Van Riemsdyk was very effective in Toronto uh, when the the team was a little bit better. And those guys were delivering the goods on a nightly basis. So I think it's a surprise to me that both of them were left off. And I think, uh, I hope for the U.S. sake that they put both of them back in just because of the chemistry that I think they did have together. And that's something that you look at when you're building a team up. Yeah. The chemistry uh... that line mates have. Yeah, and uh, maybe they're playing wait and see on Van Riems, like with the foot injury. You know, he's yeah. out for the year. Uh, just see what happens there. And obviously, uh, these are only the first 16 players, so there's there's more players to come to these rosters. Uh, and I'm really shocked to see that Team Canada would go ahead and name uh, Mark Edward Vlasic uh, Pickles himself to the team, and not Brent Burns. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's a shocker. But again, are you kidding he- me? down thing, though. Uh, Brett Burns is more of an offensive guy. I mean, what a presence he has on the ice. I mean, I'm, I was thrilled to have him on my fantasy roster. One of the few guys that's already reached the 20-goal plateau for scoring among defensemen, and uh, gets pucks to the net every night, and is a fantasy stud in, in the fan duel setup. Uh, shots on goal being rewarded there. This guy will pepper the net, sometimes with seven or eight shots a night. So, uh, uh, but more than that, he's a hulking presence and very versatile, uh, really pumps up the offense from the blue line for San Jose and would do the same on Team Canada, I'm sure, without harming them defensively. I don't, I don't see the deficiencies in this guy's game that others must obviously do. No, I don't, I don't see it either. Johan, ja, Johan, John Klingberg, I called him Johan a couple of times, but John Klingberg from the Dallas Stars, a stunning omission for me, Andrew, from the Swedish roster. This guy ranks in the top five of the NHL in terms of scoring, and yet he's nowhere to be seen on the on the Swedish roster. I don't get it. That's uh, this trend, apparently, where uh, these whoever's picking these rosters, they, they don't like offense, apparently. <laughs> uh, they, they think that they don't need to score goals to win games. I don't know, I don't know what the thinking is here. Uh, you look at Klingberg, you look at Justin Falk, you look at uh, Shane Gostisbehere, uh, left off the uh, the un- well, you know both the under twenty three team and the the national team. Maybe he's going to play for both, and that's the announcement. <laughs> that could be fun. <laughs> and what about Nikolai Ehlers? This is a guy I know that you've been high on, and I I really like him too. He hasn't been named either, and and again he can qualify for uh, for a couple of teams as well. Yeah, this is a guy fantasy owners need to pay a lot of attention to because. With Lad gone to Chicago, Ehlers all of a sudden is your first line left wing for Winnipeg, uh, skating in a really nice situation alongside Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. And, you know, when we talk about Ehlers, this is a guy who, uh, Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel aside, uh, was the best prospect in all of hockey. And uh, he's really starting to live up to that billing now, uh, four points in the last three games, and I think just really poised to take off down the stretch. And then one final one that I'll mention is Brad Marchand. Again, I've told you I don't like this guy as a player, and maybe that's, <laughs> that's, 
that's the attraction to him to have him on your team because he's having a career year, plus 30 goals, and he's just a super pest on the ice. And you wonder if they would plug him in just to be a disruptor against opponents who uh, threaten Team Canada in any way with any nonsense. Not to say he's a fighter, but he can certainly grind with anybody and uh, can put the puck in the net too. So maybe a valuable piece in that regard. Yeah, he's not not a fighter. He'll he'll mix it up. <laughs> and I hope he gets his head caved. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, give us the plug for Rotowire, please. Yeah, we, you know, we, we can't only plug one thing on this show. Uh, we also have to remind you to visit rotowire.com slash pod, get a free 10-day subscription to Rotowire. Uh, baseball season right around the corner. You can check out our draft kit, custom auction values, rankings, projections, uh, and, uh, of course, everything you'll need down the stretch here in the hockey and basketball seasons to uh, dominate in your fantasy playoffs. Again, that's rotowire.com slash pod. And let's hit the stud of the week and the rant of the week, Andrew. I'll begin with the studs of studs of the week. I'm going to give two out in uh, the aftermath of the trade deadline, and then not players. One was a former player. Stan Bowman and Dale, Dale Talon deserve, to me, the kudos for stepping up to the plate at the trade deadline. Dale Talon, in a situation that he was hoping for, where he's come to the point now where he's built up this team in Florida with some solid draft picks and key free agent acquisitions, and uh, that good fortune has led to this team making its debut among the elite teams in the NHL, first in the Atlantic Division right now. And it's all, uh, a lot of the credit has to go to Dale Talon for what he's done. He's built a fine team here. Fans are starting to come out. It's finally a feel-good story in Florida, and he's been at the center of it. Similarly, Stan Bowman has reaped the benefits of the work that he's done to build an amazing team in Chicago, maybe the only at first post-salary cap stud team. Uh, dynasty. A, a dynasty. Dynasty is what you're looking for here. Is the word yeah. I'm looking for. That's exactly right. Three cups, and they've done everything to position themselves for a fourth. And so uh, I think kudos to the guys that build these teams that uh, look like two of the, the favorites for the Stanley Cup tournament. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think you've put it succinctly. I have nothing to add. Uh, you know, uh, big props to, to to Bowman and to Talon, especially to Talon, I think, for reviving that Florida organization. It's really important for the league as a whole that these southern teams do well and, uh, you know, manage to build up organizations instead of kind of uh, lollygagging in a never-ending rebuild like uh, the Carolina Hurricanes have been, for instance. Exactly. Well, Andrew, you mentioned the league some things right, or more right than they than they have so far. Case in point, the handling or mishandling of the, the Weidman Circus. This guy was slapped with a 20-game uh, suspension that I, I kind of thought that would be the ballpark, but has gone on so long that he's now served 14 of those games already. So even to shorten it to 15 games, it's not much of a win for Calgary, and they've been without one of that length of time, and it's t- taken them from the fringe of playoff competition to being uh, definitely on the outside, and, and really uh, this season has gone up in smoke. But the NHL has handled this thing so poorly, not addressing the appeal process as quickly as it could, and it looks Mickey Mouse because of it. Yeah, and I, I still think that it's it sets a poor precedent to have an incident like this happen. Again, I still think that when you look at the video the guy got his bell rung seriously yeah. and did not 
did not really know what was going on. I understand the suspension because you want to send a message, no matter what reason, uh, we're not in favor of, you know, we're never going to let you uh, make contact with the officials like that, but, you know, come on, cut the guy a break. Uh, the, the guy, he, he looked like he was, uh, you know, down the rabbit hole after that hit. Exactly. Well, uh, but Andrew, that, that takes us near the end of the episode. We're uh, past the trade deadline. What are you looking for in the next couple of weeks from the NHL? I'm looking for my uh, dynasty team to stop slumping and get back at it and win first place. And I'm looking for my team to clinch three weeks before the end of the season. So uh, different perspectives, but uh, some stories to be told there. That's a wrap for another episode of The Great Ones, Rotowire's hockey podcast. So for Andrew Fiorentino, I'm Paul Bruno thanking you for giving us a listen and inviting you to come back to catch us on the next episode of The Great Ones. So long, everybody. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.